everyone, and welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Jean McCarthy. I write the blog Unpickled, where I've been writing all about life after alcohol since my very first day of sobriety in 2011. I tell my stories there, and I invite you to share your stories here. And today's guest is a listener who wrote to me and said she would like to celebrate her six-month mark of sobriety by giving back and telling her story here on the Bubble Hour, a show that she found very helpful while she was getting sober. And so I am really pleased and touched and happy to celebrate along with Emily today. She's 28 years old, and she is going to tell us about what her first six months of many, many, many months and a lifetime of recovery ahead, but what have these past first six months looked like? So Emily, welcome to the Bubble Hour. Thank you very much, Jean. I'm very honored to be here to share my story. Oh, that's so great. It means a lot to me. Just, It's so cool to know that um, the, the stories other people have been telling have helped you, and now you're doing the same. And it just, I love how it just kind of is so circular and um, the way that we all just, we're, nobody's really alone in this. We're all kind of doing it together. And I, I'm really grateful that you chose to celebrate in this way. Uh yeah, and I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, with our technology today and having, you know, you host this podcast, and it, it has been such an impact on my sobriety, um, and it's such a help because it really did show me that I, I was not alone, um, especially when I discovered that I did have a problem and I and I needed to, and I wanted to change my life too. Well, before I ask you to tell us your story, first just tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you're 28, and I can tell from your voice that you live a little further east than I do, but tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, Yes, so I just turned 28 um, a short time ago. I do live outside of the Philadelphia area. Um, I was born and raised around this area, so uh, I do, um, I I work full-time. I am... Uh, I work in the auto body industry. Um, I went to college. Um, I'm very close with my family. Um, I have a lot of great friends. And uh, I am about to be married. Actually, around, it's going to be, we just had our engagement party yesterday. So uh, it's a oh, very exciting time. Thank you. Um, so, you know, and... Uh, I live in a beautiful house, and I, I'm thankful every day, especially, um, you know, with my recovery as well. It makes you appreciate the presence that you have around you as well. So as we move forward, um, hearing your story, it's good to keep all of that in mind, that you have a lot going on. You have a lot of positive things going on in your life that you're able to fully embrace because, you know, you're you're sobriety just makes you be really present like it or not and um, I suspect uh, just from what you've just told me that you're enjoying the moments that you're present for but let's go back let's talk about what what it was that made you realize that uh, alcohol was a problem and and what you decided to do about it so tell us your story Um, so uh, you know when I was an economy I'm organized more or less so I like to look things in a timeline zone um, just because I also think the importance of uh, where I started is, you know, where I'm at now. And, uh, you know, I had my first drink when I was 15 years old. Uh, you know, in high school, I had a sip of beer. I hated it. Um, but 
uh, you know, it was normal. I was with, I would hang out with friends. Um, fast forward, I graduated from high school in 2009. Uh, I went off to college. Um, I was away at school. Um, I would drink at parties. I met a lot of friends. Um, you know, on the weekends, it was nothing out of the ordinary. Um, I really feel like I found myself in college. And I do think that when I had a couple drinks in me, I felt uh, definitely I had more confidence. I was definitely more outgoing, um, and I was more open to meet other people. Uh, And, um, you know, in 2011, I turned 21. I was still in college. Um, I feel like I still had normal behavior uh, for drinking just on the weekends or special events. Um, But my choice of drink was definitely vodka um and even looking back in college i had my own place um i didn't really go overboard too often and i only drank with friends um in 2013 i did i graduated from college i moved back home with my parents for a little bit and i started a full-time job right out of school uh i did really well at my career um it was my number one focus. It was my number one drive. Uh, I became promoted very fast, uh, but I worked a lot. I worked a lot of hours. Um, you know, I worked seven days a week at times, but I always looked at the bigger picture, and I always liked what I did. Uh, I worked in a very strong customer service field. Um, and in 2015, I started to become, I, I did start to get burned out. Uh, I became tired. I still lived with my parents, uh, but then I had an opportunity to actually move into the city of Philadelphia with some friends, and I thought that was um, really cool. I never, I never lived in the city. Um, I thought the city life would be something that would be cool to experience, um, but I also didn't really realize that the, my good friends I was moving in with, we all did have different lives. Um, one of my friends had an opportunity that he actually could work from home. Uh, I did, I could not, I did have a long commute, but, uh, I did notice that my partying started to, uh, I, I started to go out more. We were living in the city. Um, and I was, I even became even more tired, uh, with the commute, trying to come back home from work. Um, and then I would even, you know, I, I didn't want to miss out on any fun, so I would still go out during the week. Um, I became very hungover, and then I wasn't performing as well uh, in my career. And my attitude started to change, and I noticed that um, I would become mad that I wasn't doing well at work. And I found myself coming home and being like, I'm having a drink. And... I'll really never forget that uh, there was a turn where my drinking was uh, me going out at night with my friends turned into me sitting in my living room and drinking by myself. And uh, I was still drinking vodka, um, and it wasn't me celebrating, using drinking was celebrating. Uh, I was using it to escape the world. And I really, looking back, made alcohol one of my really good friends. 
um, and what I consider someone that I really depended on. And uh, it's something that became not only something that I did when I was happy, but it was any mood that I was in. I started to uh, categorize me drinking being okay when I was happy, when I was sad, uh, when I was mad. Um, so I moved into the city. I stayed there until about six months. And um, in the summer of 2016, I made the decision to move out of the city, uh, to move back to where I were. I, I moved back into an apartment that was closer to work for me uh, because I did realize that uh, I was becoming a different person and I thought maybe if I moved, my drinking behavior would stop. Um, unfortunately, I did continue to drink. Uh, I still enjoyed drinking a lot by myself. And I continued to do that um, when I moved into my apartment. And I decided that I wanted to go to therapy because I started to have a lot of anxiety. Uh, Even after I moved out of the city and I moved into my own apartment, I still wasn't doing that well at work. Um, So in my, when I first started to get help, uh, I realized that I really needed to stop drinking alone. So for a short period of time, uh, I did stop drinking by myself, and I would only drink in settings uh, with friends. And um, I really I wouldn't drink at all in my apartment. Um, and my anxiety, we realized as I was getting help, uh, was a major reason why I would drink. And I look back, and when I was at college, and when I had a couple drinks, I was able to loosen up and make some friends and, you know, uh, connect with some people there. Uh, that only lasted for a short amount of time. And, uh, in February of 2017, I was back to my old habits. I did decide to reach out to a good friend about how I thought I did have a problem with alcohol. Uh, I then realized, and I realized this before I went to this friend that, you know, obviously, once you mention to a friend or a family that you feel that you have a problem, uh, they're going to, well, my friend wanted to have my back. Uh, she wanted to make sure I was okay, and I, I told her that I did not want to, I really wanted to not drink anymore. Um, a few days later, I realized I really was not ready to give up alcohol, um, and I found myself kind of hiding it from her, the fact that, you know, I started drinking again. Um, and then I, I, I just owned up to it and I told her, you know, no, you know, I really don't have a problem. I just really need to, uh, I, I really need to watch how much I'm drinking. Um, I then started to, I started to get sick when I would have too much to drink and, to the point where um, I started craving it a lot earlier in the day. Um, And I did feel that I was starting to, this was becoming more of a problem. It was becoming to affect my life. Uh, Eventually, I did get let go from my career due to my performance. And I say that because I was not able to uh, work as hard as I could because I was severely hungover. I did not feel well. 
Um, my attitude has changed. I was responsible for, you know, creating goals and being a leader. And I was not able to, um, I was not able to achieve any of those goals. Uh, so I had a lot of stress lifted off my shoulders from that because I was burned out and I was excited to start a new career. Um, when I was looking for a new career, I did not, um, I was not drinking during the week when I was trying to find um, a new job. Uh, I really kept, it, I kept it as if I was going to work every day, I was trying to find uh, a new job. And I did find a new career. And in that same time, in June 2017, um, I met my boyfriend, uh, who is now my fiance, and we clicked instantly. Uh, one of the, you know, we started dating. We would go out a lot. We'd go out to dinner. We'd have a couple drinks. Um, and there were a couple times where my drinking would get carried away on some nights. And uh, I would wake up, and I was kind of, I didn't really remember what would uh, there was a couple parts of the night where I wouldn't remember. Um, and when we started dating for a couple months, those behaviors uh, started happening more often. And uh, I found that uh, my boyfriend would tell me that I became very angry and I would become angry at him. And I think uh, I was became very surprised because I did not, uh, realized I was doing this, and it started happening more frequently. So what I start, I started to do is uh, I started to hide my drinking, except I wasn't very good at hiding it. I just thought I was good at hiding the drinking. And uh, little did I know, um, I would I would come home from work, and I would have a couple, I mean, my drinking choice with vodka, I would, you know, have a couple shots, and, uh, you know, if my boyfriend would come home and we'd have a couple of drinks or a drink, uh, it was very surprising to him that I would become a lot more drunk very fa- fa- a lot faster. Uh, and it didn't take him long to realize that it was because I was having a couple drinks before he was walking through the door. Um it then became known to uh, my family started noticing different behaviors of mine as well. Um, I wouldn't be able to show up to events because I did not feel well uh, because of, you know, the night before, or I felt like I wasn't going to be able to handle the setting unless I had a couple drinks. And uh, I really tried to, uh, attempt only the drink on the weekends, but I would still drink too much. Uh, I would still drink in excess to the point where I would get sick. Um, and I really started to feel angry because I knew I really had a problem with alcohol and I didn't have one before and I didn't understand why this was happening now. And I really had a grudge with that. Um, and I think that's a really big reason why uh, I was really at a, uh, it, it took me a little while to cross over the point where I really needed to get help for myself was because I didn't like the fact that it was happening to me and it wasn't happening to anybody else around me or that's what I thought. Um, and 
I could feel my mind and my body getting physically tired of this vicious cycle of me drinking way too much and me just getting sick or me not being able to get out of bed until 1 o'clock. And there was, in January 2018, uh, there was a winter storm that we had in the area, and I actually had to leave work early because the storm got really bad. Um, I started to drink when I got home. Fast forward a couple hours later, and I was yelling at my boyfriend, and I grabbed my keys, and I proceeded to drive in the snowstorm to my parents. Um, I did black out because I don't remember why I was yelling. I just remember standing in the kitchen. The power actually went out because of how bad the storm was. Um, And I was just yelling, and I grabbed my keys. um, And I didn't really make it too far because the storm was so bad uh, that I had to turn around, which I'm glad I was because I was drinking as well. Um, I turned around and I came back home and I went upstairs to my room uh, and I cried. And I cried tears of anger and disappointment of myself and the fact that who I was that I didn't know why I was yelling and why we were in an argument because I couldn't remember because of my drinking, because of how much I drank. Um, and when I woke up that morning and I hated waking up these ways, these more, I hated waking up. Um, with these feelings in the morning of, oh, my God, I can't remember what I did, and I know I probably did something or said something bad, and you just want to curl up in a ball and never get out of your bed. And I was like, I want this to be the last time I ever feel like this because I am going to lose everything. Um, And I do not want to lose it. I I love everybody in my life, but it's going to get to the point where people are not going to tolerate this behavior. Um, and I knew, and I had to go to work that that next day, and I knew when I was going to get home, I was going to have to have a talk about how what, what, what happened the night before and, you know, what we were going to do to try to solve this problem of me getting out of control. Um that's when I really realized that I needed to get help and I needed to figure something out or my life was going, my life was going to change either way. I can either do it in a positive way or I can uh, do it in a way where it's not going to go the way that I want. And uh, in February, 2018, I decided to go back uh, to the same therapist. Uh, In my first session back, I explained how, you know, I was back to drinking by myself, and I was not really able to stop drinking once I got to a certain point, and I was forgetting things. And when I walked into that session, uh, my question was, how can I become like other people and just have a glass of wine or a drink and just stop? And uh, when my therapist looked at me, the words she said hit me really hard. And it was, uh, Emily, you might never be able to have another drink again. Uh, because she realized, and then I realized there that, you know, my problem was only getting worse. And uh, my body was trying to tell me a message of what I'm doing to it is not, it's not healthy, and that's why I'm getting sick. And I might be a person that can't ever have a drink again. 
Um, and at that point, I was I was capable of drinking three quarters of a bottle of vodka and still function. Uh, I thought to myself, what have I become? This wasn't my plan. And I needed to realize that it didn't matter that it wasn't my plan. Um, it mattered what I was going to do about it. And at that point, I realized that, you know, I can feel sorry for myself or I can absolutely run with this opportunity and try to, uh, you know, make myself a better person and to, you know, become, live in sobriety. And I think uh, I thought it, it took me a little while, it took me a couple of days, but, you know, day one and day two came and I got a counter on my phone uh, as an app to tell me how many days I was sober. And uh, my therapist talked to me about uh, creating my own toolbox and what to do with my anxiety and how my drinking was really affecting my anxiety even more because of how much I was drinking um, and what other things I could do to help that. Uh, So in uh, March 2018, March 25th, I stopped drinking. Um, I did hit a, uh, I did started to get a little bit of a brain fog where I think my mind is very used to having alcohol and I would wake up in the mornings, um, kind of not really a clear brain, uh, but honestly, that only lasted for about two weeks where I started to feel a lot better and I actually had a lot more clarity when I woke up in the morning. Um, I went to therapy every week. And that's when I started really listening to uh, the Bubble Hour podcast. Um, it really helped me. I started going to the gym every morning, and uh, the Bubble Hour was something that I listened to and even when on my car rides to work. Um, so on March 25th, I stopped drinking, and I did have a trip to Punta Cana coming up, and which was at the end of April. And... So when we flew to Punta Cana, I was 26 days sober. Um, I did drink in Punta Cana. Uh, I did not black out, but that was a real test, and I could feel my old habits creeping up. And uh, I stopped drinking permanently. I can say my sobriety date was April 26 of 2018. Um, the second to last day I was in Punta Cana, I, I turned to my fiancé and I said, you know, uh, this is it. I can't, um, I'm not capable of just having one drink. And I think, um, you know, I'm going to run with this. And uh, I'm really excited about it because the first 26 days that I was sober, I really enjoyed waking up in the morning and not being hungover. Um, so when we came back home, uh, I, I kept going to my weekly therapy sessions. I started back at day one. And we worked through how I drank at Pusatana, and I worked harder at my toolbox uh, because we did realize that, you know, there was going to be other things in my life that came up and events that were going to trigger me to drink. And it was really important for me to have myself prepared and what I was going to do instead of take that drink uh, to make me get through whatever I was getting through. And uh, in May 2018, I started becoming open about my sobriety. Um, I The podcast, the Bubble Hour podcast, communicating with friends and family 
about my sobriety was something that really helped me to stay sober, um, going to the gym and reading a lot of sobriety books, um, really helped me and go and just keeping busy in general, uh, making sure I had things, uh, planned or things that were easy to just, you know, get in the car and go to, uh, that way it kept me from drinking. Uh, the one thing that I really found hard was going to a meeting, um, and when I was in one of my sessions, we kind of did an exercise of what I thought about going to a meeting. And I, I for some reason, uh, my image of, was me walking up to a meeting and opening the door, but the door was too heavy. And uh, we really thought, we talked about how I really had that image of that door being so heavy and how difficult it was for me to open it. And uh, I, I really, I really believe that it was because of my anxieties, and I'm opening up a, a new chapter in my life, a new door in my life, was really what that symbolized as to why I felt like I couldn't open up that door. Um, I was able to go, and I did go to my first meeting in uh, July, and I was very nervous, and I pulled into the parking lot. And it was the best thing I ever did was walk through the doors because uh, there were, and it was, I went to a women's uh, meeting and there were so many women in the room and there were so many different stories and it ranged from women that were 40 years sober to someone that was, you know, day one and just, it, it was their third meeting that day and they were trying to get sober and that's what really was so important to me was that everyone was there to support one another. And uh, I, I found that to be uh, an amazing thing that was, it was also free that you can go to and there's an app that you can find different meetings that are around your area. And uh, they had a speaker at that, the one meeting that I went to and uh she was talking about how it took her a very long time to get sober and uh, her story really, really connected with mine because she, she also never had anything. She was very close to her family or friends and she just felt like she became an alcoholic and she didn't understand why it was her. And uh, after the meeting, I went home and I really thought about, you know, if I should go back to that meeting or if I should find another meeting because I was really trying to find a place where, because I I think it's very important that you find um, people that you can relate to to really depend on. And I wanted to find that uh, with a meeting. And uh, all weekend I was kind of going back and forth if I should try another meeting or not. And I happened to go to breakfast that that Sunday. I went to the meeting on Friday, and on Sunday, uh, my boyfriend and I went to breakfast, and we're sitting at our table waiting for um, our waitress. And uh, the girl came up, and it happened to be the speaker that was at the meeting. And uh, we both looked at each other and just gave each other a look, and we both knew you know, we saw each other the night before and I thought that was such a, that was, 
that that was just such a uh, meant-to-be moment and really gave me a sign that, yeah, I, I belong. You know, I, I'm doing the right thing, and I belong where I'm at. And uh, it really opened my eyes. And uh, I think um, ever since then, I still go to the meetings uh, and, you know, and I and I see some of the girls. And you, you, you'll see people from time to time in the area and you just, uh, we're all there to support one another. And we all have different things going on in our lives, but it's so important that at that day, uh, a week that we're all there to just talk about things that are bothering us and how we're going to get through it and just advice. Um, and I really uh, realized through this, me being six months sober, how important it is to have goals. And I think uh, when I started to not do well in my career, um, I'm such a goal-oriented person, and I think a lot of that um uh, me drinking a lot was because I didn't really have any set goals anymore, long-term or short-term goals. And it's so important to have that in your life just to, uh, you know, just to keep track of where you are and where you want to go. And, uh, you know, I now I think of that as being something very important that I do. And I always let people know that in my life as well, where do you want to be in six months? Where do you want to be in six years? So that's kind of, uh, you know, that's my story. And today, uh, you know, this week, well, this week coming up, I'll have six months. And uh, I'm very happy. And I'm very happy uh, that um, this is my journey. That's so awesome. You've done a lot in six months. And you've really, um, it sounds like you're like a project manager, you know. <laughs> And this is your project, being a goal-oriented person. Okay, I'm going to do this. How am I going to get it done? Therapy, meetings, reading, listening to things. Like, I'm doing this. Um, it's, like, it, it sounds, in a way, like once you made the decision, it came naturally to you. Is that an accurate impression that I'm getting of you, or am I oversimplifying it? Uh, no, yeah, that, honestly, uh, you know, and I even uh, – you know, even my fiance said that it's something that I ran with, and I actually I I thank God every day that that you know I was able to say you know this is something that sounds really like a, a powerful thing that I'm about to do and let's run with it and make it a a life change and something that I can look back on and be like yeah I did that and. uh yeah, I made it um I just made it about my life and I think uh there are some sometimes or some people don't understand and, and that's okay. Uh they they don't need to understand or uh it's something that I decided to do and um I I just feel very uh I feel really good about it. And I and I think that my main goal is to let people know that it, it's okay if you feel like you have a problem. Like, it's only going to get better, uh, you know, once you start to get help for it or, or figure out, you know, the things that you can do to get help are are just 
there's so many things out there that can help you. Mm-hmm. And it, and your fiance, I'm guessing, is pretty happy about this change. Um, I'm guessing he's, you know, saw you struggling, and um, is he supportive of everything you're doing? What's how has that relationship shifted? Yeah, uh, you know, he has been such a big support, and to to tell you that my life has changed drastically, I feel like is an understatement because uh, I wouldn't be engaged if it wasn't for me to change my behavior and and getting sober uh, because of how well our relationship changed from that. He's very supportive. Uh, He is, he, he drinks and he is able to drink uh, normal normally. And in the beginning stages of me not drinking, he was very supportive of uh, not having anything in the house or doing anything that he possibly could that could help me. And uh, that was so important to me, but it showed me so much as well. And I know that no matter what, he would be there um, if I needed someone. And he he's always been there. And I... Uh, I never had someone like that, and that's why I, I'm so I'm so excited to marry him, and for him to be my best friend is um, I'm so thankful every day for it. Oh, that's so lovely. So, as you're planning your wedding, um, you know, weddings are are one of the big things, one of the big firsts that we do sober. <laughs> Like a lot of people say, oh, I can't get sober because my sister's wedding's coming up, and I really want to have champagne with her. Or I, I, I was sober, but then I blew it because I went to a wedding. And you know, there's just alcohol is so closely related to some forms of celebration and weddings, especially. Um, so what's it like when you're the bride and you're planning your own wedding and um, you're able to do plan it however you want to support your own sobriety? or to support yourself that day and have it be the way you want. So what are your thoughts around that? So uh, the cool part was is when I started to get sober, um, I started to even do, like even watching TV sober, like I felt like I haven't done it in so long. So me like really reteaching my brain, uh I felt like my brain kind of went through a change in itself when I stopped drinking because I'm able to enjoy things and remember things being sober. So planning this wedding has been very exciting because um, I'm able to remember things. And I just, I get so excited about living in the present day and remembering every part of it, that me drinking at a wedding doesn't even, it it doesn't even, I don't even think about it because it's not important in my head. Uh, And I don't know if that's something that I feel, not everyone feels that way, but I think also because uh, I spent so many I spent so much time hungover and, and feeling sick that now I, I appreciate living in the now so much, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it definitely does. 
So can you tell us a little bit about your wedding? I mean, nothing recovery related. Just I'm just curious now. <laughs> um, yeah. So, well, everything has been like such a big surprise. Like I, my engagement was beautiful. Uh, we actually went down to South Carolina uh, for Labor Day weekend, and I had absolutely no idea. I just thought we were going to go on this pier during the sunset and watch the sunset and. Uh, I turned around and um, David proposed and I was just completely blown away and so happy and uh, because he uh, he surprised me so much in such a great way Um, and now I can't wait to spend the rest of my life with him so uh, you know me planning this wedding has been uh, really exciting and it's also been an adventure as well because uh david also now lives in a different state due to uh work he actually took on an opportunity to expand his own company um so has been spending some time in baltimore so uh kind of us only seeing each other on the weekends uh, has allowed me to really organize this wedding on my own, which I'm totally okay with, uh, but also being closer with my sisters and his sister as well, and uh, just getting all the details uh, from the flowers to the photography uh, to where we're going to have it. And uh, we found, like, a nice little church uh, that's, you know, in the suburbs where we live, and uh, it was built in the 1800s, and uh, it's just a very, we didn't want anything big, and we just want all of our friends and family there, and uh, we're actually getting married October 19, 2019. Oh, well, congratulations. That is so lovely. Thank you. Um, I want to shift and talk a little bit about you as, you know, you mentioned that you're organized and you're hardworking and you care about your career. Even when things weren't going well, that didn't sit well with you. It was part of what sort of was leading to your awareness around your relationship with alcohol. Um, sometimes being really hardworking can kind of be symptomatic of feeling a little bit less worthy than other people, like we have to kind of hustle for our worthiness or have to earn our place in this world. Do you relate to that at all? Um, and have you had to heal any of that as you're facing life sober? Um, yeah, I, you know, when I was drinking, I think also I made a lot, I, I think I really was competing with myself most of the time and became very bitter because I was drinking and I was thinking about it more and more. And it was kind of, I kind of made up some of it in my head, uh, the the competitiveness. And uh, then I became bitter about it, about how I was not doing well at work. Um, and I think me being sober has really made me, uh, it's, maybe kind of break it down more in a reasonable way and handle it uh, a lot better and ask for help if I need it. 
Uh, I think I'm able to make more decision, like better decisions. Uh, more, I mean, uh, I think it's, I'm more, I'm capable of, I'm trying to think of the word. I'm capable of, uh, I guess, getting through a situation than me, the whole problem with me when I was drinking was I wasn't always present at work to be able to succeed um, or to make decisions that I wasn't, like my mind wasn't always there. I wasn't feeling well. And now that my mind is clear, I'm able to, uh, if some if two things need to be done, I can really break down which one is more important and how I'm going to get both of them done at a certain amount of time, if that answers your question. Mm-hmm. I think it does. It kind of does. Okay. It kind of doesn't, though, too, but that might be something that is revealed over time to you too, just as the layers pull back and pull back and, um, uh, and you get to know yourself even more as time goes on. Um, or maybe we just change as time goes on. Um, I definitely don't mean to suggest that anybody that's hardworking is screwed up <laughs> yes. and trying to earn uh, a gold no, star. Cause I, think, it, um, I think I just, uh, and I honestly think that, I worked so much, and it a lot of it was, I mean, my choice, too, to do that as well. And I think I actually had to work double time as well because I wasn't, uh, some days that I wasn't 100% able to, I had to make it up. Are you putting efforts into other things now? Like, have you picked up hobbies or creative pursuits, or uh, are you spending as much time working, or are you doing things differently um i'm doing things differently uh you know my career now is definitely more i I do have a work-life balance uh i don't think my first career was all my fault uh it, it was a very um it was a job that i didn't have a work life balance uh and i think you know when you come out of college and i had goals and i wanted to work hard i wanted to make a lot of money and I wanted to have a nice house, and, you know, I wanted everything to fall into place, and then I realized that wasn't going to happen, uh, and doesn't happen all the time. It rarely ever does, and uh, I think that was also one of my other, uh, when I got another career, I realized that there are other jobs out there that um, are there because they want you to have a life, too, mm-hmm. and I think that was the main thing for me is my first career out of college uh, wasn't going to be my last. And that then that's okay. Uh, you know, not every job is going to fit every single person. And I think that was important for me, you know, to realize that once I got let go, that there's other places out there and the jobs that I work at now, um, they love how ambitious I am or, you know, I, you know, I, I'm appreciated, but I also give back to the company as well. Um, and uh, they're very, you know, they want me to get promoted, and I feel that. And that also is another um, another reason that, you know, I don't mind. I, you know, I go in and I work a certain amount of hours, and I also come home and I don't feel that I was overworked. But, yeah, mm-hmm. and I do have time to have other hobbies. I love to cook. 
Um, I love to read uh, in the beginning of my sobriety, and I really started to read a lot of books, um, including Girl Walks Out of a Bar, um, A Happier Hour, uh, The 30-Day Sobriety Solution. Um, All three of those I recommend to anybody that's really wanting to start, that really feels that, or they're starting to, uh, they're just beginning their sobriety. Uh, those three books are... Okay, say them again. Girl Walks Out of a Bar. Girl Walks Out of a Bar, um, The Happier Hour, 30-Day Sobriety Solution. Um, and then there's also uh, Tween Breath, A Memoir of Panic and Addiction, which is actually by Elizabeth Vargas. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, the 30-Day Sobriety Solution, that book was the first one that I read because it actually goes through day one to day 30. Um, you read every chapter, every, you read a chapter every day. And um, I actually read it three times because I did one through 30, the one to 30 days. And then I read it as my 31 to 60 day. And then I read it for my 61 to 90 day. And your thoughts, uh, and I recommend that to anyone uh, because you see how different your thoughts are. And they have different activities in the book that you can do when you go on the website also. And, you know, I really recommend that you do the activities and you, you know, get a notebook and you write things down because, your thoughts that you had from day one to 30 and how they change uh, to your 90 days if you do read it for three times. Uh, It's amazing where your mind gets to uh, when you're day 90 in sobriety. And uh, that was one of my main things that I I thought was so cool is that you can actually see on paper your mind changing. And uh, that that was something that uh, really helped me uh, through my first couple of months being sober. I love that you did that. I love that you did that. That is so cool. What a great idea. That is really good. Well, I'll make sure I post all of those titles. Um, I'll post them on Facebook when I post this show as well and uh, and links for them. That's so great. You talked a little bit about anger and how when you would drink, you know, the people around you found you to be quite angry and you also talked about having anxiety and for me the two were really closely linked um and i just wonder if you it sounds like you've really therapy's really helped you with your anxiety and i wonder what you learned about that anger uh as you've moved through this time Uh, yes um you know my main thing was talking about something that bothered me. Um, I tried to really put things under the rug, as I sh- as you call it, um, and try to kind of sweep things under the rug. That's that's what the saying is. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, instead of talking about things, and I realized that things were just the more I didn't talk about it, the more built up inside they were getting. And rather, it was something that. Um, I was talking about with my fiance or with a friend and I would just let it build and then something else would happen. And then, you know, I, I wouldn't let all the anger out until 
I had a couple drinks, and a couple hours later, I would just let everything out. And I really learned within these six six months how important it is to talk about things that really uh, that that don't that that bother you. It's so important in a relationship. It's important in friendships. Is it important with anybody that we connect with on a daily basis? Because uh, no one is a mind reader, and that's something that I really needed to, and I still work through every day. Um, you know, especially now having, you know, working with a long-distance relationship, um, you can't read someone over the phone for sure. And I've really learned that, you know, if something's bother, bothering me, to talk about it. Uh, there's no reason to uh, to keep it inside. And I think a lot of my anger was because I was keeping a lot of things inside that I wanted to talk about. And, uh it's so important to keep, to do that for any, to to even for yourself to be healthy uh, because nobody's perfect and nobody knows what someone's thinking inside. I like that you said that because the other thing that comes to mind as you talk about that point is that, um, you know, the 12-step program really emphasizes honesty, being like scrupulously honest, being like almost painfully honest with yourself and with others. And, the purpose of that is exactly so that we don't bury truth. And um, uh, Catherine, who is a former host on this show, she heard from a friend in the program that the, the two greatest lies are everything's fine and I'm all right. And that, you know, like that lie keeps you mad and angry and hurting inside. And it's actually we're not going to be rejected if we're honest and say everything's not okay, I'm not okay, um, I need to just be honest and say, like, I want pizza for supper, not Chinese food, and I really, really, really hope you still love me. <laughs> yeah, like, can we live in two different places? Is that going to be okay? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's, and even when I first started going uh, to my therapy sessions, my therapist noticed, Every time she, I came in, she's like, how are you? And I would always say, I'm good. And she's like, you're not always good every time you come in. You don't always have to say that you're good. And she was right. And now, you know, sometimes I'm tired or, you know, I'm just, you know, not feeling, uh, you know, I, I had a long day. And, uh, you know, even saying little things like that. Uh, just communicating that to someone can really open up their eyes as to, okay, maybe that's why she doesn't want pizza tonight or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a small thing, but it's a life-changing thing, right? Like it's small, but it's big. Yes, I totally agree. I want to ask you one more question that might be a little bit, I don't know, it's it's a little bit uncomfortable, but we're just in the last few minutes of the show, and I and you talked about blackouts. And um, someone that I love was just just this week hurt by something stupid someone else said in a blackout. And it was not something I really have a lot of experience with myself or with the people around me. But, you know, I really, I kept thinking this morning, wow, I wonder how that other person is feeling today as they're waking up and kind of having to face themselves. And it came to mind as you were as you were talking about that too. You know that morning of just oh my god, like now I have to get up and 
trying to figure out what I did. And I've heard a lot of people talk about that um, in my online groups, too, of just that that awful feeling of what did I do, Who's who have I hurt, what did I say, of like the simultaneous putting the puzzle back together of trying to repair something that you don't even know what you did. And I just wondered if you could talk a little bit more about how that felt and and how great it feels to be know that you're free of that for life. Uh, you know, in college when it happened, it, it wasn't, uh, it would only happen every so often. But, you know, as I started to really develop um, and really get into alcoholism and realize that my blackouts were very uh, happening more often, uh, it's really scary because I found myself actually trying to, like, get to the point where I was blacking out all the time. And that's when when I talked about escaping the world, uh, that's what it felt like I was drinking to do. And um, it's kind of like you wake up and you have to play detective and it's the worst feeling in the world because I would find myself uh, trying to, if I was talking to a friend or even my fiancé, um, I would try to make sure that I wasn't repeating myself from the night before because I didn't remember if I told him the story already or not. Uh, and it, it's it's horrible. It, it's like it's cringing when it would happen because he would look at me and be like, yeah, like you told me that last night or we talked about last night or don't you remember last night? And like those words, like it, it would honestly, it would make me sweat because – I would think, like, no, I don't remember, and what else happened? Like, and it's a feeling that I'm so glad I never have to have ever again uh, because the way that he would say it, um, it wasn't just, yeah, like, you know, how how don't you not remember that? But it was also that something else happened as well. Like, I was probably mean. I probably was not very nice. And that's what hurt me even more uh, is that I kind of, I became a totally different person that I didn't remember. And uh, that was something that really bothered me that I couldn't remember, but I was also psychologically, psychologically trying to get myself to that point when I drank of escaping the world and not wanting to deal with it and just kind of hide in that certain way. So how do you, do you ever feel that need to escape now? What do you do when you feel like, ugh, I don't want to deal with this day? What do you do instead? Um, I actually, like, I love crawling up on the couch and, or like, like, I, I never feel like I want to escape the world anymore because I know that if, I problem going on or I need to talk to somebody that it's just better to talk about it. Um, but I also have learned the importance of the importance of me and the importance of yourself and the health of yourself. And there are days where we're not going to want to go out or, you know, socialize. And, uh, you know, I do, you know, 
most of my friends still drink and they go out and that's totally okay. Uh, but they know that, you know, if we go, you know, miniature golfing or we go to an, an event on a Saturday night and they, then they're going to go off to the bar afterwards, I'm probably not going to go to the bar and that's okay. Um, I find that time to have my me time where, you know, I go back home and I crawl on the couch and I open up a book or I, you know, I, I watch a movie and I hang out with my cats and, uh, you know, I think that's a, a lot more healthier way to keep it's something that I like to do because I love the importance of just having me time. Mm-hmm. It's easier too, right, when you're like not feeling crappy about yourself. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I like, like there's a difference between like hanging out on the couch when I was totally hungover to I'm hanging on the couch because I had a big day yesterday or I have work tomorrow and I'm just preparing myself for the week. And uh, it feels better. And like I said, my mind, I kind of had to like, my mind kind of relearn things too because when I would watch TV, I really wasn't watching TV. I was just kind of having the TV on while I drank. So now that I actually watch TV and I can pay attention to shows, um, it's a lot more intriguing. Speaking of TV, do you watch the show Mom? Do you know that show? No, I've never heard of it. Oh my gosh, you're missing out. It's uh, it's a mother and daughter. It's a sitcom, but it is about a mother and daughter that are both sober and live together and go to twelve step meetings, and then it like, and then it's about them and all the women in their women's meeting, and then they go for coffee oh, afterwards. Oh, I'm writing that down. Where is that on? I think it's on CBS, and okay. uh, there's it's it's in its I don't know third fourth fifth season. So there's lots of them back there to watch, and it's Allison Janney who's like so funny, and Anna Faris who's so cute. And oh yeah, yeah. I just yeah. love it, and I just as you were talking about your women's meeting, I I, mean, I don't go to meetings, and I wish I did, because that show just. It's like I feel like everybody needs a tribe like that to hang out with, and I highly recommend it. And the other thing that you talked about in your women's meeting is that, you know, when you see people around town, and I love that God shot that you, like, ran into that one speaker right after. Um, and a oh, God shot is what we call it, like, when something kind of cool happens, it gives you the goosebumps, and you know that, oh, yeah, that was the universe is winking at you. And... The funny thing about that to me is that for me and a lot of other people that were, like, resistant to going to meetings, you know, a lot of it was because, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm going to see people around town. I live in a small town, and then they're all going to know. And But the way you describe it, it's a lovely thing. You see the people from your meetings, and it's, like, a nice thing and a, a positive thing. Um, so do you sort of feel Definitely. like you have, like, a secret superpower or something there? Or what? what is that, like, sisterhood like for you? Yeah, um, you know, I don't go as often, but it's somewhere that I go that I feel uh, like if I if I need it, like it's right there, and um, I I do try to go at least once a month, and I think with yeah, and I've even just you know went into like the supermarket and I just happened to see one of them, and we just you know you just give the eye, like you know who you are in the nod, and. Uh, you know, we know where we see each other from, and it's, uh, you know, I just, anytime I see one of them, I always think in my head, I hope they're doing really well. Uh, yeah. Because, 
uh, I, I know how it feels uh, to be in that point where you know that there needs to be a change made. And uh, I just, you just, if you feel that strongly, then you should make the change in your life so that you get better from then. Well, that is a very positive note to round out our hour. I see that it, we have been talking for an hour now. I told you it would go by quick. <laughs> it goes by yes. too quick. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so before we go, I just wonder if you have any sort of closing thoughts or words of wisdom or happy thoughts to share with our listeners, with anyone who's struggling or sober curious or just um, what what you'd like to send out as your, as your final thought. Yeah, honestly, anyone that is struggling and, you know, they just feel like they don't know if they have a problem or if they uh, they they know they have a problem, there are so many resources out there and there is help. And, you know, you are even, do, you're, you're doing the right thing by listening to this right now. Uh, you know, you're on the right track and keep going. Uh set goals for yourself it's the most important take it a day at a time uh remember that you know you are the most important person in your life and uh everyone will support you that is knows where you are struggling from and uh get the help you you are important and you are worth it amen Love it. Thank you so much, Emily, and congratulations on six months of freedom from alcohol. Fantastic. Thank you very much. It was an honor to be here. Oh, it's so great to talk to you. Well, listeners, if you would like to thank Emily with a message or share something with her, just reach her. If, you, if she's touched your heart and you want to connect with her, send a message to me, thebubblehour at gmail.com, and I'll make sure that Emily gets it. And um, until next time, I guess, everyone, that's it for this week. So until next time, take good care. Not proud that that was me And when I face it I take back a little dignity Not looking for excuses I just want to be free from power Weakness head on me In a dark corner is where shame lies behind We think you're strong
I'm proud. 